Welcome back, Dreadfuls. You're listening to another episode of Left for Dread, the horror podcast for everyone from newbies to fanatics. We are not a spoiler-free podcast, so make sure you've seen the movie or movies we're talking about before you listen. I'm one of your hosts, Rai. And I'm your other host, Chris. And we are recording from New Zealand, so don't ask us how we got out of the country, even though there's a... Because <laughs> we're banned in every single country. We're banned from the rest of the world, Chris. Yes, yes. And, and not only are we in New Zealand, we are recording Inside from the within. Walls? Yes, we're in the walls. We're in the crawl space. <laughs> Actually, you know, this reminds me of the days where I used to record podcasts in my closet. <laughs> closet. I mean, like, because it has all the pink insulation, so it, it 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 like keeps sound and echo and noise like to a minimum. It's great. And uh, we Chris, we have. Are we you have... trying to tell me that your old closet had pink insulation inside the closet? No, it, it just had. Oh, I was it, gonna say that's it, really it, unhealthy. No, no, it had uh, mattress comforters and like you know and you know comforters gr- are great for absorbing sound. So actually, I mean, uh, gosh, this is like going five years ago. God, we've been we've been podcasting for like almost. Or over almost five years, or maybe more. I don't know. Um, but when I first started podcasting, actually my recording environment wasn't really that great. So the best environment, even now, is record in your closet. Have some mattress comforters that will absorb all the sound, and there's a lot less noise to t- edit out in post production. But that's like that's this is a long tangent. Anyway, so we're recording here in New Zealand in the walls. With our friend Eugene. Eugene's very shy right now. He doesn't. He doesn't really like to talk, so it's okay. I, oh, okay. He disappeared. Okay. See you, see you, Eugene. I'm just happy you enjoyed this movie, Chris. This After okay. the last movie, I can't. I can't. So I, I knew. I knew that we were gonna need at some point. Did I think it was going to be after Strangeland? No. But I knew we were going to need a horror comedy at some point. And Cabin in the Woods, it's, yes, it's on our list and it's it's an obvious go-to. However, I wanted to pick something that maybe not a lot of people have seen. The movie came out in 2014. It's six years old already. So I'm not sure. And it's from New Zealand, like production, cast crew all of it it's not american at all so i so i i wanted i wanted to pick something that was different and this is it's different and it's so good right i i know we're social distancing right now in new zealand but i want to hug you because this (laughs) this movie was so good and I cannot like I I went to this with like literally zero context. What a roller coaster ride! You go into it thinking like, okay, it's your quintessential like haunted house, spooky thriller movie. All right, cool. And it's not. And it's, it's not so good. <laughs> so I didn't. I literally read nothing about this or even watched a trailer. I didn't or... either the first time I saw it, because I remember. I remember sitting there going, "Is this supposed to be a comedy? Am I supposed to be laughing, or is this like?" bad or is this just like like what is this so afterward like when i was done watching it i was like oh it was supposed to be a comedy okay now i don't feel bad for laughing at it god damn this movie was good this this uh like i wasn't expecting it to be a comedy but when i think about horror comedy i think it's really easy to like overly lampoon the genre so like the the entirety of the film doesn't feel scary at all but this film like it it does this crazy balancing act where like the beginning 
pulls you in. There's like a there's a lot of really cool intrigue and setups and uh and it, it plays on all these tropes of classic ghost stories and haunting or um haunted houses tropes, uh like psychological thrillers. Mm-hmm. This movie for, well, this movie for a horror movie was pretty long. It's it's about two hours. It it went by in in the blink of an eye because like I was so entertained, so engaged, so immersed. It has like these really intense moments of like tension and and dread, and then it it's, it offsets it with this really charming off off kilter like not pseudo dry humor. And it reminded me a lot of Edgar Wright's type of humor, where it's very clever, very nuanced. You know, some parts, you know, they play it so straight, but it's hilarious. For example, like one of the, my favorite scenes of how they like scare the hell out of you and then they bring you back and still keep you engaged the entire time was when Kylie, she's poking around in the basement, the statue covered in the the weird creepy looking she falls on it almost crushes her she pulls it off it starts sliding off it's the statue of jesus christ and all she says is jesus christ in that awesome new zealand accent i died it was it was yeah it was really good yeah so those are the kinds of moments where i was sitting there like is this supposed like am i supposed to be laughing at this or is this just like really bad like what is happening and i thought maybe it was like an unintentional comedy no 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 this is a straight up comedy horror what I like about this is it's a true comedy, just like Kevin in the Woods is a true comedy, just like Seed of Chucky is comedy and horror. Uh, or Shaun of the Dead. Or Shaun of the Dead, right. I love horror movies that take you right to the line of horror and comedy without becoming a parody like Scary Movie. Because it's really easy. But like... I, Scary movie is a bad example because Scary Movie literally is just a parody of all horror movies. But there are some horror movies that try too hard to be funny that end up pe- becoming a parody. See, see, Housebound is really careful about like its comedic timing and and also, I mean, it's also a credit to like all these actors who are so great. I think it, I think I mean the the comedy is one element of why this movie is great, but the other, it's like a really fresh breath of air into the haunted house genre. Very real. So I guess we, before we proceed any further, we should uh, give a quick recap of the film, and then we'll just we'll, we'll go back into that deep dive. A young woman is forced to return to her childhood home after being placed under house arrest, where she suspects that something evil may be lurking. Dun, dun, dun. So Kylie, she's the main character. She's played by Morgana O'Reilly. They have uh, Rima Te uh, Wiata uh, as Miriam, her mom. Glenn Paul Waru as Amos. Amos, like the security expert, the yes. consultant, a- the the hobbyist paranormal investigator. Like, I did not expect to love Amos as much as I did. You, you think he's a hard ass? And he starts asking, like, really pointed questions about hauntings, and he brings all his, all his equipment in. It's like, oh, it's so good. So, he's like, no, I'm going to do this case pro bono. It's like, what? um yeah so like all all the even even graham or graham who has very very little little speaking lines and of course eugene and dennis like these are all like super oddball eclectic characters the chemistry they have with each other uh, and the way they perform it's just i never for a second like lost attention i was wrapped again like the movie's so skillful and nuanced and how like it it 
pulls and pulls tension and like gives you these small moments of levity and this shocked me so this movie was written directed and edited by gerard johnstone this was his first ever uh, movie that he directed which is mind-blowing i cannot believe i never heard of this film until now i remember seeing this on netflix and i was at work on a weekend and i knew it was one of those moments where i had time to kill because at the position i was in i was not part of the editing process I was not part of anything that was happening. So I was like, well, while I have time, I'm going to watch a movie. So I sat there and I watched Housebound while I was at work on a weekend because there was nothing better to do. And I could not believe how fucking entertained I was by this. It's got such critical acclaim. I just love how unexpected the humor and like the not just the humor, but like the twist in the story. So you think it's leaning one way, and then it leads another. We're like, oh yeah, this is gonna be a haunted house movie, and it is to a point. And then it becomes like a cat and mouse game after a would-be serial killer. It's like, oh wait, no, the serial killer is not the is not the person that you think. And then it becomes like this weird carnival where you're where you're they're running around inside the house, and then and then it just becomes a, a pure schlock fest when Dennis, the crazy social worker, just goes full unhinged and. and what I love is that they made Dennis very much like Michael Myers or like a ghost face. And it because he kept coming back no matter what happened. Like he fell off a roof. He fell off of this. He did. He got stabbed. He got cheese grated in the face. No matter what, he kept coming back. And it was all done by that, like, insane music cue. <laughs> so every time it was and it was just it was so good. Like, notes. I lost my shit on the third act where. You know, they knocked him they knocked him down from the roof. And then they're calling the police. Kylie and her mom, uh, Miriam, are arguing what to tell the police. And then Kylie just gets punched in the face out of nowhere by Dennis and he starts choking the mom with the telephone cold of cord. I was I was my mind just my mind broke. I was like, what the hell? It's just oh my god, it was crazy. And it was really well done. I'm obsessed with your reaction to this, by the way. I I'm so I like I've said I've said this so many times I get so excited when Chris is watching a movie for the first time that I've seen that he hasn't and because we were just so disappointed in life last week with Strangeland we did not get to talk about the fact that like we didn't even touch on what this episode was going to be on we didn't even get to like have that conversation because we just needed that episode to be over as soon as possible uh, we, we did yeah that our shortest episode <laughs> ever Record time. It was like 30 minutes. I hate, ugh, we can't, I'm never going back. I would, I, I would say like this movie will, would be, probably become one of my horror comfort food movies. Cause like I watch, right? yeah. Cause I, I watch like Shaun of the Dead all the time or the thing all the time. I, I, I genuinely can feel like this is a new comfort film. Oh yeah. You know, Krampus, of course, Krampus as well. Um, because I just, this movie is just so charming and legitimately scary at times, and there's so much to love about this movie. There, between the the premise that turns your quintessential ghost story and haunting on its head to I hate to be this person, but to the accents, just like there's so there this movie. Oh, is I get like, it. Right? Yeah, it's like, it's, it's like our, it's like a, a my it's like our, like slash my reaction to like all the Australian like bore. Like I just love how charming. Like it's it has like this nice. 
nice authentic charm to it and like I, I i don't i mean i've never been to new zealand i have some friends who live there so i don't i would be curious to see if a new zealander would watch this movie and get their commentary on what they would find really funny i don't know if there's a certain type of slang they would use or the way they deliver a certain line would is something that only a new zealander can pick up but like i just found it so charming just listening to their accents and I mean, that's, I mean, sound design is so important in general, but, like, the sound design here is, like, really tip-top shape. Like, they have, like, these great musical cues, and Edgar Wright is one of my all-time favorite directors. And I couldn't stop feeling like this this director is a fan, too. You could see Hallmark features. Like, Edgar Wright, he specializes in doing unorthodox visual comedy. So I one thing I picked up that you see in Edgar Wright films a lot is like the this director would do like these really dramatic smash cuts from one scene to the other uh marked by like great sound design. Honestly, I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Um like I said, I think we I knew we were going to come into um not like a rut but a place where we could use some horror comedy. And I know we don't we actually haven't we haven't covered too many horror comedies. I think we've I think covered Cabin in things... the Woods and like Krampus and We've covered mm. Krampus. We haven't covered Campus um Cabin in the Woods yet. But I think Oh, I'm sorry. No, Tucker and Tucker and Dale. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. we did Tucker and Dale. And I just we don't do a lot of horror comedies and I think that we I think we've covered movies that have been that we have found hilarious that were not meant to be funny. <laughs> And then I think we have found things that were like hilariously bad, but we've never done like a straight up horror apart from Tucker and Dale. I think we, I don't really, I think this is our second true horror comedy. So we're, we're going to try and sprinkle in more of those, but I'm just, I'm really happy we did this. I think it's a nice change of pace, but it also, and again, I'm going to, I, I'm not really sorry for sounding repetitive, but this is what happens when Americans don't take charge of a movie. Well, this is not right. <laughs> In my research, I did find something out. So no, please don't ruin this sentiment for me, Chris. I'll cry. Take this with a grain of salt. I will never anything that you know. This is a bitter pill. This is an article from Dread Central. We haven't heard anything about this in a while. I think so. The the it might have died in February 2015. New Line Cinema announced the production of a U.S. remake of this film. Why? Um, and, uh, uh, Why? Because 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 the U.S. and Hollywood is uh, unoriginal. And then uh, the original writer director Gerard Johnstone was set to be with uh, as ex- executive producer on the film production, but. Uh, that's literally the last piece of news we've heard about, or that came out. And and this news was published. Maybe it's dead in the water. I'm pretty sure this is dead in the water. I mean, there's literally no other updates. It's been like at least five years already. I don't know, but I I don't want it to happen. Like this movie is great. Don't you don't need a remake. Yeah, Americans will never realize that we have no place remaking things that because I can I can honestly see how an American remake would go with this. They would try to make it Haunting of Hill House meets Cabin in the Woods. They would try too hard and it would end up being a parody. They would try to take too much 
of the spooky factor and too much of the comedy and not be able to mesh it well together. That's why this movie works. That's why there are very, I feel, very few successful horror comedies. And maybe it's because I haven't seen a ton of them. But I feel like the reason why there are very few successful horror comedies is because there aren't a ton of people that can seamlessly mesh those two together in a cohesive film. And this movie is cohesive and funny and they there are jump scares and they get you and there are twists and turns and things happen and this is just it checks all boxes for me. And I, I, yeah, and like, what's great about here, like Gerard Johnstone, this is his first film. He d- has like this kinetic, dynamic flair, which with approach to the, to the writing and the storytelling and the cinematography. According to some trivia, like this film was like pretty limit. Uh, I, I guess it, it was a low budget film. I mean, it had its world premiere uh, in South by Southwest. It, it, it made some uh, horror film award circuits in germany but you know i think you know it's one of those things where we we talked about with other types of horror movies where necessity breeds innovation i think and like also it's it also relies on like the pedigree of where johnston was taking his influences on like he got first inspired to uh write a horror film after watching ghostbusters on tv which is like you know a great great classic horror comedy film i would say more comedy than horror but there are elements of it uh of the two and he also took inspiration from films like the changeling and the legend of of hell house so and on top of that like he made like the the characters like really believable and down to earth and like i love kylie like kylie's like there's no nonsense badass uh uh lady and um who who also stick who also shows vulnerability um and so she's not just like this one note on the piano and you know she's not one dimensional which and again in in an american remake she would be they would just it would try too hard the beauty of this movie is it sort of gives hope to directors and and creators out there about what can happen when you put together a small budget film small budget independent film for that matter like I realize it's easier said than done. I just think that there is a way to successfully do things. This movie was successful, but it was also not successful on the same metric, I think, in this country. And again, it just goes to show you that we have no taste. <laughs> or, or it's like the, or it's like the machine of the of the Hollywood, um, you know, model where, uh, yes, movies can be expensive to make, and you know. To a certain degree, you could put all your ducks in a corner and a movie may not, you know, do well, uh, despite like what the market or the trends or what what's popular. Um, a lot of Hollywood, you know, they bank on the fact that like, oh, um, this movie like X did well. Let's make a shit ton of sequels. Oh, this movie from 50 years ago has or eight, 20 years ago, whatever, uh, has a cult. Uh, a cult following let's make a movie to get the old people back and the new people in i would say like you know there's only so many stories you can make Uh, so i mean but 
you know, that's not a There's only so many stories you can you can tell and there's only so many different ways you can tell that story. But in terms of execution and vision and perspective, that's where like you can create fresh new pieces of art, fresh new perspectives like this movie. Like for example, you know, haunted house films, you know, there's uh there's a ton of them, but Housebound because it just gives it a facelift. And then you then you go back a few episodes ago where we we talked about uh, like Crimson Peak, you know, still honors that tradition, but it's done in a very different light. But it's more, it's done in a way where it, it emphasizes more of like the tragedy and and like the beauty in the, inside that tragedy. Um, you know, that's a common theme with Del Toro films, and it works because like Del Toro knows his voice and knows how to execute it really well. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's, I think I mean again, there's again there's a lot of haunted house stories. But you know, you just gotta find a way to like make it appealing, and then you know, Housebound, Housebound did it in spades. Yeah, I think that there is there is a way to do it. So like, the haunting of Hill House, that story has been told before. But look at the way it was shot. Look at the way it was done. And it it was genuinely a very terrifying series. So again, I just think it's about finding different ways to tell the stories to make them appealing to the masses. And I agree with Chris wholeheartedly. Housebound has it in spades. I think it's easy for us to sit there and say that because we didn't do it. But I don't, I, I think that should encourage people, not discourage them. I just, this movie, this movie gives you like warm and fuzzy feelings in the best way possible. <laughs> also, fun fact, the weird neighbor that's like skinning possums in his backyard, that was all real. He apparently knew how to do it and, and did it on camera. That I learned way after the fact. That's very I already, cool. I, it's cool, but I already have, like, I already have, that's the reason why I've only watched Cannibal Holocaust, like, once. Like, I have a, I have an issue with that. Now, granted, he didn't kill them on camera, so it was fine. They were already dead. Um, so I don't really have too much of an issue with that. <laughs> but, yeah, fun fact. Fun uh, fact. Um, what were your favorite parts of the movie, or, like, favorite bits or moments? Eugene. Eugene. Eugene, Eugene was great. <laughs> Just like the way that so all right, I want to bury this and I do because again, spoilers, we've said we say it at the beginning of every episode. But at the end of the episode, I mean at the end of the movie, it ends with the eight months like after this very traumatic event happens. It's eight months later and Kylie is getting her um ankle her anklet off and her mom's filming it and then the camera goes dead halfway through and she goes well nothing should happen to it it's been on the charger all night and kylie just goes eugene <laughs> and the movie ends which means it's, in all it's of that so craziness that happened eugene is still living in the walls in their house did you did you cut his nails did you give him a haircut did you shave him did you give him a bath and like put him back in the wall like what did, like I like what I did mean, you do? That's, that's all. That's that's like a whole other podcast. Like, what, what did that's they like do? Movie, what did like... they do for the like, next seven months with Eugene? Do, do they like sneak in? They, do they sneak in? Like, actually, does he do come you, to or, family dinner? How do yeah, we explain or, this or to Graham? Or, or or do they cook an extra plate of uh, of dinner and then they just and hold just leave it, up it next to the hole? And you just see a hand reach around and grab the plate. <laughs> like. Um, do... Do like what? Like what happens? Like I would have killed to just have seen like 
one shot in between there of just like family dinner of just all of them sitting together in silence eating. <laughs> uh, and then you just you just see an arm like reach out, um, like trying to grab a, if I want like Eugene, a like a roll like, and like like kind right, of put the bread roll right. in his hand. Like is Eugene like out of the wall but under the table? Like where is he? Like I just I need like one shot of that. I realize there's no place for that in the movie, but I just I want to see what it's what life with Eugene in the walls is like after. Also, does, does Eugene get reunited with his? With his like foster father, like the guy who tried to raise him, and like I mean, because like he thought like the like that guy, the neighbor thought Eugene was a killer, or he, he went like off the reservation. But seven months is a lot of time. Would you reunited with a guy that thought you were a killer? I wouldn't. I would okay. stay. I would stay okay. with the family that's just yeah. They're much nicer. Yeah. What am I talking? Like, about? I watched you grow up and leave and like leave your family in pain. We were waiting for you to come back. What happened? Yeah, I mean, I well, I mean, okay, the the neighbors we don't need them, but like, I just love uh, like how the creepy wholesome... possum skinning neighbor. No, we don't yes, need. No, it. we don't. <laughs> we need more Amos. Can Amos come to dinner? Yeah, like I was, I was like so relieved that Amos <laughs> walked in because I thought I I thought like Amos had died, and then he's like, oh, Amos is fine. He's cutting right, off. Right, because the... the guy shows up with his tracker, but you don't hear what happens to him or see what happens to him. Yeah, you just see him like beat him with like a like a stick or like a like a poker or something like that, and you don't see Amos for the rest of that chase scene. And then Amos, he's like really jolly, and like he, you know, he cuts off the cuts off the the tracker. And then and then Graham, he's alive. He's like, oh great, everyone's alive. It's great, and it just makes me want uh, like a short like mini series of like daily life with 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 his family like after this strange ordeal. So like. Little vignettes with with um yeah you could uh, do with, like a spinoff series that covers the seven months after what happened like what happened in the movie yeah I would love like Adventures with Dennis and then like <laughs> Kylie Kylie and Amos teaming up as like amateur ghost hunters like all around New Zealand I yes. would love that that's like my like, that's the what other... she does now that the anklet's off she, she exactly goes, yes. <laughs> That's what I want. Dennis's death scene was also the goriest thing you see in this movie and the most satisfying. Like, oh, no, I'm thinking Eugene. Never mind. Yeah. I, no, I, Dennis's I death scene yes. is the goriest thing you see in this movie. That that, that, that was so good. And so it was good. so schlocky. Like, you I just love see it. They spent, I just love... like, all their budget on, like, that one CGI on that scene. that one effect, you... yeah. So good. So what So what happens, like, uh, like uh, Kylie gets punched out. Um, Dennis is choking Miriam with a telephone cord. You see, like, the, a cupboard begin to open, and, like, uh, uh, Eugene's... Just a disgusting long fingernail just yeah, tapping it, Kylie it, on the head. It's like, wake up, wake up. And then, and then, then he hands her, like, this... I guess like what's it called like one of those turkey forks a two prong like a bident uh the one they used to carve turkey and like he sh she shoves it up his head and it's connected to a wire and then uh Eugene like raises electricity and his head explodes like, and then from within the walls it's like connected to like this copper wire but the effect itself is schlocky and brilliant but I think what makes that scene even better isn't the mom's reaction it's Kylie's reaction because oh, there's like she's, a piece of debris in her mouth and she like it's takes not it out. debris it's his <laughs> dental plate oh it's his retainer oh ew <laughs> and that just makes it ten times better because that was like the defining um piece of evidence 
that ties him to the murders that occurred in that house. And he and she spits it out of her mouth, and I was like, oh, oh, oh. And it's so and I mean, just so it's like little things where like Kylie was so pale from all the blood loss and like her shot phase and her mom completely splattered like Jackson Pollock with blood and oh it's such a good scene my god what were some of your favorite moments I feel like you're you're as enamored with this movie as I was enamored with Junji Ito when we started yes. our episode because <laughs> I just like, good, I, just, like I can't get enough of that I still can't get enough of that man but like well, that's more got to Frankenstein we got it you know we uh, I know the Junji Ito that. will continue it will yes. continue uh yeah a uh, favorite scene like you know now that you mentioned I, I didn't make that connection before but I love I love Dennis as like this really weird my version of michael myers like he's unstoppable and he's just like a, a social worker that just went unhinged um it's like if dr loomis and michael myers had a child together and the kid went obviously a little bonkers but was in the fields of psychology <laughs> because dr loomis wasn't exactly all there either let's just be perfectly frank so yeah i, I really love any of the scenes with amos i love amos so much like he he was quite charming and like you know the you know cute New Zealand accent. He's just he's just like a nerd for ghosts and stuff. Uh, what I found really touching, like obviously I love all the scenes with Eugene, but you actually what that, that scene where you see his humanity, like it like out out uh, for all to see, like he's just misunderstood. Uh, is when like um, Eugene and kylie are trying to communicate and he starts showing her all the drawings at first it's a little it's like creepy it's like oh you uh you show you drew her like taking a bath in the bathtub and then and then uh, the, then it gets wait like uh, they play as a joke and then it becomes like sweet and endearing where kylie has this you know this friend who lives in the walls ever since she was four years old and they basically grew up together and you see Eugene like kind of live life vicariously through her where she's going through all the troubles of like growing up and adolescence and her tenuous relationship with her mom and like the one that really got me and it really got Kylie which uh which I really love on Kylie's performance because she showed like this great great vulnerability was when he showed you showed her the picture of her leaving and and it was like oh yeah this was you uh leaving leaving home and then he points to like uh miriam and like a little face in the window and uh, and this is us uh waiting for you to come back it's like oh eugene you're so cool (laughs) i know it was just it was all it's honestly it's one of those it has such touching moments that you don't anticipate or expect but they're very refreshing and i think it also just is what makes this movie successful. Yeah, even Graham has a moment like that where like Graham and Kylie are trying to glue together the the like walking stick and then Graham starts randomly opening up to Kylie and he's like trying to empathize with her and she and I feel like he tries she 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 uh, he knows like how hard uh Kylie's adjusting and it's like that's really and, and Graham like has like zero lines throughout the film and then then he pours out with like this really cathartic response like Graham, you're great. Like, wow, where was this the entire this, time? 
it's this beautiful monologue and she because uh, especially at the very beginning being vulnerable for her is obviously very hard and she doesn't want to be sentimental or vulnerable she just wants to sit there sit through her eight months and then leave again and she snaps at Graham and then eventually stabs him by, by accident, accident. <laughs> Which is, again, that only, like, adds to the comedy, though, because it's a real moment of fear. She is legitimately being chased by someone who has a gun, and it is a genuinely terrifying moment. And she thinks it's him. Just like when she hits Amos, she thought it was an intruder. So it's these very real moments that are based on, like, real fear. But the comedy comes in because of her reactions or the situation like, I don't know why, and maybe this is, again, something that speaks to my mental state, but I could not stop laughing the first time she stabbed uh, Graham in the stomach, and the it was just the blood. The way the blood the hit blood, her in the, the blood face. was really schlocky, like... Right? Like, I started laughing. I thought there was something wrong with me. I just thought it was so fucking bad. funny. <laughs> Then you had, then you feel bad because they see him in the hospital. I'm like, and then you're like, oh damn, you're gonna die. Oh, oh, oh. And then it became really touching because, like, I think that was like a, uh, you know, that was de- uh, definitely a wake up call for, for Kylie because uh, it goes to that quick montage where her mom's like spending all of her time in the hospital. So it's like, so Kylie like, is like, what, the, what the fuck am I doing? And then, then she starts like cleaning up the house, doing chores, and like, you know, like keeping it running. He's like, oh, cool, oh, nice. Good oh for you, yeah, Kylie. and now we know yeah. where all the meatloaf went. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> because at the beginning, so at the beginning of the movie, Kylie makes herself some meatloaf, but she like left it out, and her mom's like, "You ate an entire meatloaf," and she doesn't respond. But there's no way she could have eaten that whole thing. It was Eugene, and we know that now. But you're like, damn. Did you like make it as soon as she left to just eat meatloaf all day long? What? What the fuck? It's great. So speaking of Eugene, I wanted to press this question. So, like, so for so much of the film, you're led to believe, like, oh, spooky, supernatural ghosts, and, like, mm-hmm. it's the spirit of the murdered teenage girl. And then, and then most of the weird, creepy noises in the house and all the, all, like, the weird minor stuff, it's it's Eugene. Everything gets um, explained away by Eugene, yeah. Yeah, but do you think there's still, like, a matter of like supernatural operating for real because like the one thing i couldn't quite get my head around like i don't i I, i'm trying to figure it out if it was eugene or not but like the fact that that teddy bear you know was burnt and like beaten to death and still like was alive and i guess you could say like oh yeah it's new zealand new zealand toys are built to last they they can survive anything because remember um his foster dad was saying how he liked to fix things. Oh, but he would so put he fixed his the bear. Own, he would put his own, like, Eugene thing. Like, he would, he would yes. fix it and then add his own little thing. So when he finds it again, I think he fixed it. Okay. We because know, it we, shouldn't I, work. And it worked after that. Like, it was weird and creepy. Before, like, it was a really fucking weird, creepy yeah, and, toy. And it, it, it worked with Amos at the end. So I'm wondering, like, okay, so. I think he fixed it. Okay, so that that makes I didn't it wasn't clear to me at the time, but that makes a lot of sense. But I still thought thought like, okay, even after all the, the Eugene isms, like, is was there still a ghost? Like, I, I couldn't 
No, I no, thought, no. I think I, I, I was getting like yeah. a Five Nights at Freddy vibe. Like, oh my God, this, this teddy bear is possessed by the ghost of the person who killed it, her. No, 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 no. I think he fixed it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. But I was like, yeah. okay, that was cool. Okay, and well, like left you. him. I think he because remember again, he said that he had this habit of fixing things and then adding his own spin on it. So not only did he fix it, but then he handed Amos a tape that he knew he would listen to that had his voice on it. Because also don't forget the mom was like, Kylie, you have a selective memory. You were also the one that was too terrified to go to sleep. Clearly she blocked out a, the memory of the man in the walls and B as she got older, it scared her enough that her and Eugene didn't, didn't talk anymore. Because as you get older, imagine how terrifying it is that you're growing out of this imaginary friend phase, but you're still hearing the the voice coming from inside the wall. Like, that's kind we're, of scary. We're just hearing creepy shit all the time, like the wood groaning. Yeah, and like yeah. Weird noises. I think what just makes this whole thing even more perfect is when Eugene goes, I know the perfect place to hide, and he puts the sheet over him. But it's he gets like, stabbed. Oh, he gets stabbed, no. but it's this like ratty, like completely tattered, like weird looking sheet. And it's obviously like the thing he uses to sort of like sneak around the house at night to get the things he wants from the house. And I love it's, I, it's, it's Eugene like, thinks it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like a Harry Potter invisibility cloak. Right. Like, exactly. Like exactly. And it's kind of like how like the mom was like, I saw something standing near where the freezer was where I went to go get chicken, but I never saw it again. You see that scene happen again when she goes down to the basement for the first time. You see Eugene stand up in the creepy sheet. And right before Dennis gets stabbed by Eugene, you see it happen again. But if you look at the poster for this movie, it's a family portrait. And then there's Eugene with his hand yeah. in the sheet. <laughs> It's really good. It's uh, just, it's so good. I, I, I love how tenacious and, 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 and like, the, I love like the, the scene where like, uh, Dennis is, is gaslighting Kylie, uh, trying to make her feel like she's having a dissociative episode. And then the, the Eugene doesn't help because he's so savvy with, with, with fixing stuff. So he like fixes the breach in the wall. So after Kylie tears down the cupboard, it's like solid, solid wall. And she, she herself starts to feel like she's going crazy. It's like, wow. <laughs> well, that's, that's also, that also sort of springs this beautiful moment because after he does that and they escape underneath the bathroom sink into the wall and they meet with Eugene, she holds up the pitcher that he obviously filled with pee because that's where he goes to the bathroom. He starts laughing and she digs into him and starts going after him saying like, you think this shit is funny. Our lives are in danger, yada, yada, yada. And her mom is just trying to like defuse the situation. And she turns back around and Eugene has just stopped paying attention and he has his headphones <laughs> on. <just> <laughs> Yeah, but that must have been like that must have been a little hard for him too. So you know, it goes, it, it it has these whole moments, and that's where you get that very sweet, tender moment between the two of them, where she tries to be human with him, and it ends up affecting her way more than she had ever intended because that's when he shows her all these photos that he drew, and you learn to empathize with him. Like you know, like yeah. he's like uh, he. Uh, he, he may have a mental illness, but like, or he, or, but he's just like, he's just really shy or he has a legit, has he, agoraphobia. He definitely, he definitely has a mental illness, but he is cognizant enough to understand 
because she asks him, why didn't you say anything? Why didn't you come forward? He was like, they were, I thought they were going to take me away because they were going to think I did it. He's smart enough to know that that's probably what would have happened. Mentally ill person versus caregiver. Who are you going to believe? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean it's a, I, I, it's I felt a very like this real movie... moment and it's like, oof, like, uh, and this movie had a lot of social commentary. I get, I get like, now I'm going to think about it of how, so much of normal society like talks down to people with problems like whether they're mentally ill or going through an emotional phase like like um like i mean obviously dennis was a, a terrible terrible person that like, was like before, unhinged yes but like before we knew that like before we had that reveal dennis still talked down to kylie like so much and like i tried to rationalize or or uh her or like or turn her words and like he he wasn't he wasn't actually listening to what she was saying. No, it's a it's like a it's like a form of gaslighting. You're talking down to the person and diminishing their experiences while trying to validate their feelings at the same time. It's a form of gaslighting. You get that sort of same effect with the police or how the police are like, I mean, yes, for a little bit of comedic effect. Yeah. You, they played the police as like aloof or incompetent. Dumb but at the same time, shit. Yeah. At the same time, like you also see like, especially that one scene where Kylie, Kylie runs into the police station and she's pleading for help. At, at this point, they established that one, she's uh, a criminal. She has a record. She's on under arrest. And like, and they had that one encounter before where her and her mom were claiming that ghosts were attacking people and like so they just treated her with yeah like, that's when dennis got stabbed yeah. yeah 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 that's where dennis got stabbed and she, the mom was because kylie was like i wasn't even in the room yeah i popped off at him but i wasn't in the room at the time and they wanted to talk to the mom privately. Like, are you sure you want to go with this story? Like, you can tell us if she's off her rocker and she's hurting people. It's okay. But that also is, like, a sweet moment where you realize, like, whatever their problems are, she's looking out for her kid. Yeah, and, like, it, it, I think that was a turning point because at certain parts of the the film, like, the mom, she's struggling so much with her daughter because her daughter has just been, like, for the longest while, like, super defensive and not opening up and... And even her mom does some gaslighting too, uh, or it's like she threw her, she threw her onto the bus where like Kylie was. They're they're all in that one room with the probation officers and the cop, and then Kylie was like, like telling Miriam, "Hey, say something." And Miriam's like, "Oh, it was so long ago. I I you know it's hard to say." And it's like, "Oh no, Miriam, don't do that." But then she comes around. Yeah, she, she, yeah, she comes. She comes around eventually and supports her daughter, and that's literally all we could ask for. So yeah. 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 I. Yeah. That, my. My God. This. This film has it all. Like social commentary, humor, terror, thrillers, uh, schlock. I love it. It's great. It's so. It's so good. Yeah. I'm just happy you enjoyed it, and I would give this movie five out of five. Man in the walls, because it's. Yes. It's. Honestly, there are just so many elements to it that's just you you go in for a ride and it and it delivers in spades. I, I agree. Uh, I would give this five out of five retainers, even though that's pretty <laughs> disgusting. Um, yeah, I, uh, I I mean, I don't really have anything else to add. Like this movie was 
perfect. And I, the only thing I, I, I'm curious about, or I wish to see in the future, I want to see. Well, I, I guess I, I really want to explore more of Gerard Johnstone's work. Um, but I would really love to see like another horror movie from Gerard, uh, and not like a U.S. remake. Housebound is perfect as it is. Yeah, Housebound I, I would, is perfect the way it is. I want to see his film, like his stuff. Pretty much it. Yeah. You know, props to indie creators, props to New Zealand creators in general, like Gerard Johnstone, like Taika Waititi, like New Zealand. New Zealand has all the talent, so. Yeah, keep it fucking coming, my dudes. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Left for Dread. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Everything helps. You can listen to us on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify every Friday. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Left for Dread Pod. You can find us on Facebook. You can check us out on our website at leftfordread.com. So uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this film as much as we did. I, I know it. I love this film. It's like so good. So go watch it. If you made it through the episode uh, and you haven't watched it, watch it. If you did, watch it again. Um, and uh, say hi to all the Eugenes that maybe be living in your walls. You know, be nice <laughs> to them. Leave a play of, of, of meatloaf for them. You know, Eugenes <laughs> are great. Uh, so with that, uh, enjoy, and don't forget, stay, stay dreadful! dreadful.